Welcome to Canucks After Dark. Here are your hosts, Parker Hallowell and Clay Emo. Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to another episode of Canucks After Dark here on October the 12th, the eve of the Vancouver Canucks season. NHL action got underway tonight with two games resulting uh, in the Seattle Kraken getting their first loss in franchise history. And you might notice there's no one here to my left except this little logo of Clay in the corner. He will be here shortly, folks. Uh, he is caught up in a bowling match. Uh, apparently his opponent is being pretty slow, uh, so he will be joining the show hopefully within the next few minutes. Uh, and if I get an update from him, I will let you know. But for the time being, we'll kill some time. We'll try to save some of the bigger topics for a little bit later on in the show while he is here. Uh, but we do have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Now, normally this is the part of the show where I say, hey, Clay, how are you doing? How was your week? And of course, he's not here. So he would have asked me the same thing. Uh, my week was good. Just got back from a little vacation. So we are ready for Canucks hockey. Um, and I mean, look, the season starts tomorrow. We've got a game Wednesday. And then we got back-to-backs Friday, Saturday. So we are going to have three games to talk about next Monday on Canucks After Dark, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, but let's start with some of our big topics for the night. And the the first topic is obvious, and that is going to be Ole Olevi. Uh, Ole Olevi getting traded to the Florida Panthers yesterday. Now, or I guess this is on Sunday. Sorry, my days are all sorts of mixed up. Uh, but uh, Clay, I believe, did a video on this, but I did a video on this as well. Now, um, this was a whole saga that sort of started with uh, training camp. And we, I mean, you could start the saga all the way back. If you want, you could go back to the 2016 NHL entry draft where he got picked fifth overall ahead of guys like uh, literally one pick ahead of Matthew Kachuk. Uh, Clayton Keller was up there. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev was up there. Uh, Jake Bean, Charlie McAvoy, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of names. Uh, so we can, we can go off the bat and say, yep, that was probably not uh, an ideal pick. And then there was the saga of the injuries, uh, debilitating injuries for Ulevi. Basically, every year there was something else that happened to him, whether it was, and uh, I think it was mostly knee injuries for him. And that really killed his speed. And we saw that a lot, uh, especially in the preseason and a lot last year. I think he played something like 23 games last year. And one thing that was always notable whenever Ole Ulevi was on the ice was that uh, he got turnstiled a lot. Basically, a, an opposing player would be coming in on him. He would be backing up, backing up, and he'd just get beat to the outside almost every time. Uh, so we go to the offseason last offseason, and, and you know there's a real competition brewing up for that third spot on the left side. Guys like Ole Uolevi, Jack Rathbone, Brad Hunt, all in competition for this one roster spot. And what does Ole Uolevi do? He goes out there uh, for the bag skate in training camp. Uh, he is well in last place uh, out of his grouping. There are pictures of him sprawled out on the ice. One of him just flat on his back. One of him basically flat on his stomach. One of him on his side facing the boards. Uh, he just didn't. He just didn't look like he was conditioned very well. And then we also saw in the actual training camp preseason games, we saw that he was a bit slow. I noticed in the first preseason game against the Kraken that he just got beat to the outside, like we had seen all of last season. Um, and it just wasn't looking like it was there for Oleo Levy. And a lot of the discourse that has been going on over the past few days has been who's at fault here. 
Was it management for making a bad pick? Was it the team itself for bad development? Uh, was it Yule Levy's fault for not trying hard enough to not persevere through these injuries uh, to basically not be able to carve out an NHL career? And a lot of it, in my mind, is that it's no one's fault, really, right? I mean, you look at the circumstances. Uh, it's not Yule Levy's fault where he was picked. The Canucks, I mean, Jim Benning admitted today for the first time, he actually came out and said that they picked for need, positional need, instead of the actual best player available, which would have been Matthew Kachuk. So instead of getting Matthew Kachuk, they get Ole Levy. So sure, bad pick off the start. However, Yule Levy was still highly regarded among scouting circles. Most prospect scouting organizations like TSN and uh, Hockey Air Elite Prospects and all of those sort of ones all had Yule Levy around the top 10. So it wasn't like this was this massive reach by the Vancouver Canucks to go out and select Ole Levy at fifth overall. Probably a bit of a reach, but not a crazy one. But then you get these unlucky injuries that um, took away his foot speed. And Yule Levy's always been known as a, probably not the fastest guy, but good hockey IQ, good setup man, could be good on the power play. But the injuries basically made his foot speed um, irreparable. Uh, he was just too slow. He couldn't keep up. And we saw it over and over again throughout uh, the preseason, throughout training camp. Uh, and then things basically came to a point where uh, waivers had to happen, right? The Canucks had to make roster cuts. You got to get down to a 23-man roster before uh, opening night, which is tomorrow for the Vancouver Canucks. So they had to make some moves. One of those moves was to send Jonah Gadjevich down through waivers and try to sneak him through waivers with all these other players going through it the same day, like 100 players going through waivers at once. And he gets picked up. We'll get that to that more later. We're not going to spend too much time on Gadjevich just yet. Um, but basically, he goes, he gets picked up, uh, and the Canucks are now looking at it and saying, well, Yule Levy probably doesn't deserve a spot on this team. Jack Rathbone has shown that he is a better defenseman. He has more upside. He is more exciting. Uh, Maybe a little bit riskier to play, but he's still probably the better D-man. Brad Hunt is a guy who is going to be a solid press box guy or a number six D-man. That's basically the role he's going to fill, and that's basically the only hole that Yule Levy had left to fill. So what this left the Canucks with the options to do are, well, we can have Yule Levy basically in the press box so we don't have to put him on waivers, or we and then we'd have to basically send Jack Rathbone down to the uh, down to the minors or we could send Ole Levy down to the minors where he would have to clear waivers and then the Canucks are in this whole other can of worms where now they're going to lose this former fifth overall pick for nothing on waivers and if you went through waivers he would have got claimed right there's enough teams in the NHL that could use a guy like Ole Levy on their third pairing especially those bottom of the barrel teams like a Buffalo for example uh, maybe uh, like San Jose, for example, San Jose is the second most or San Jose is the most expensive defense in the NHL. And it's also one of the worst in the NHL. So they could have used a guy like Ole Levy. So the Canucks were basically uh, stuck in a spot where they're either going to lose him for nothing or they have to keep him on the roster, which eats up a valuable roster spot uh, and doesn't help this team win, especially in a season where every point is going to matter. So they get to the point where they say, OK, well, let's shop. Olio Levy. Let's go see what we can get for this guy, right? Whether it's a late round pick or uh, some other struggling prospect in return. And where they end up is with the basically annual deal with the Florida Panthers. The Canucks and Panthers have always been very close trading partners. Uh, that is no secret. Uh, things like the Luongo trade uh, is the biggest one. Uh, both Luongo trades, I guess. Um, 
so they go out and, and hit up Florida and say, hey, you guys seem to be interested in Ole Levy. We need something in return. And they go out and they get Noah Juleson, who very similarly to Ole Olevi uh, was a first round pick back in 2015, 26th overall. Uh, has had lots of uh, injury issues, except instead of um, a knee issue like Ulevi has had, he was more on the head side, right? Uh, concussions, bad head injuries that really derailed his career. I think he had an eye injury that caused him to basically struggle to see while playing hockey, which is, you know, terribly unfortunate. Um, so the Canucks basically go out and they pick up him who's going to be a project. And the thing about Noah Juleson is that he is uh, waiver exempt. He's already cleared waivers last season or not last season earlier uh, in training camp. So he is will able to be on the Abbotsford squad, which is great. Uh, he played last year. He only played nine games, four for Florida, five for their AHL squad, Syracuse. Uh, he has a total of 48 games played in the NHL. It looks like he's a plus two over that time with eight points in 48 games. And the Canucks are getting a guy who's going to do really well in Abbotsford and might get some playing time uh, if there are injuries that he needs to fill in for. The other piece they go up and go and pick up is Juho Lamico. I thought it was Lamico. Apparently he prefers Lamico. Um, a fun name though. Uh, also 25 years old. Uh, he was born in 1996, finished uh, player, uh, and he is a centerman. So while Juleson was a right side defenseman, uh, Lamico is going to be a centerman uh, in sort of the depth mix for the Canucks. And this one makes a lot of sense. Lamico will have to clear waivers if the Canucks were to send him down. And I'm sure that will happen at some point during the season. But with lots of what's going on for the Vancouver Canucks right now, with Tyler Mott being out, we've heard today that Brandon Sutter could be out for a long time. So the Canucks have holes that they needed to fill. And so they go out and they get basically this prototypical fourth line center in Juho Lamico, who, according to Thomas Drance, is just a, a super hardworking guy uh, that fans are going to love, sort of like a Tyler Mott type. Uh, which is what this team is going to need, right? We, we've been looking at sort of the, the center lineup and, and thinking, okay, well, are they going to have to do like Pedersen, Horvat, Miller, Dickinson? Because now suddenly you have Miller on your third line, meaning you have weak wingers on your top six, and now you have Dickinson, who's supposed to be this third line elite center, like that's perfectly his role, and now he's going to drop to fourth line, and then who are you going to put on the wings in the third line? And things get so messy. So the Canucks go out and they get Lamico, who should be able to slot in nicely into that 4C spot, maybe around Highmore. I mean, we've seen Highmore mostly as a winger here, but he did play some center uh, in Chicago, so they could go that route and maybe throw Lamico on the wing or just have Lamico as a 13th forward even to start the season. But with, you know, Brandon Sutter, uh, Zach McEwen getting sent down, Tyler Mott being injured, uh, still don't know status on Brock Besser, whether he's going to play tomorrow. So all these roster spots need to get filled for tomorrow night's game and Lamico is going to fit in nicely. So for my overall thoughts on the trade, um, I think it was done out of necessity. It kind of had to be done. You are sort of selling Yule Levy at his lowest, uh, but I think he will probably only get lower. Uh, it looks like he is going to be in tough to carve out a real NHL career. Uh, and it's sort of the same for these two guys that the Canucks get in return. They get Noah Juleson back, who doesn't look to have a ton of upside, but he could fill in just fine as a depth defenseman and you get Juho Lamico who should fit in just fine as a fourth line center. And these guys, again, they're both young, right? The Canucks didn't go out and pick up 34 year old players here. 
They went out, they picked up guys who are on cheap contracts. Lamico makes 750K. Juleson makes 750K. So both of them making the same amount as Oleo Levy. So basically no cap hit because they can be sent down to the minors. And if they're sent down to the minors, then 100% of their cap would get absorbed there. So no real cap implications there. Uh, and both of these guys are UFA or RFAs, right? They're only 24 and 25 years old, respectively. So after this season, the Canucks, if one of these guys excels, they can go out and re-sign them with exclusive rights to a longer-term deal if need be. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's a deal that sort of made sense. I think Benning made the most out of a bad situation, albeit a bad situation that he put himself in in the past. Uh, and the Canucks sort of salvaging things to fill in the holes that have been made by the recent uh, by the recent issues that the team has had. All right. We're seeing lots of people saying, you know, maybe Ulevi in the chat uh, that might uh, that Ulevi is probably going to end up playing for the AHL team in Florida. And I saw some people on the hockey subreddit on the Florida, like with the Florida flair saying like, yeah, he's kind of like eighth or ninth in our in our sort of tier list for our defensemen. He probably doesn't even make our opening night roster anyways. Uh, and then you have to think, right? Does Ole Ulevi end up on waivers anyways? Did the Canucks get Juleson uh, and Lamico for free? If that's the case, do the Canucks put in a claim on Ole Ulevi? I kind of doubt it. I think they've sort of cut their ties and putting a claim in on Ole Ulevi on waivers would mean that they would have to put him on their opening night roster, which I don't think they're going to do unless some crazy injury thing came up at the last moment. All right, we have killed 14 minutes with this Yule Levy topic, and Clay is still not here. Uh, I was hoping he would be about five minutes late, but apparently this bowling match is taking its sweet time. So let's get some of your feedback on the old Yule Levy trade. We do have so many things that I want to talk about tonight. I have 18 different topics listed out, uh, and I wanted Clay to be involved in these, so I don't want to get to too many of them because uh, I do need someone to bounce off of at some point, uh, but we can definitely kill some time here. Um, let's talk about our next topic then let's talk about Alex Chieson because this is one that we can talk about without clay, because I don't think he is going to care too much about this one. Um, basically Alex Chieson got picked up on a PTO by the Vancouver Canucks at the start of training camp. And he has been fine. Kind of, he's looked kind of slow, but he's basically a power play specialist at this point in his career. He's a guy who is going to, basically go out there on PP one PP two and, and be able to score a few goals throughout the season and not do much else. And he really didn't impress us so far uh, in the, in the preseason and training camp clay. And I, when we were at the, uh, at the Canucks training camp a couple of weeks ago, he wasn't very noticeable. Um, and the Canucks basically go out and scoop him up on a $750,000 one year deal. So basically free again, if he's terrible, the Canucks can waive him. They can send him to the minors and his cap hit would be fully absorbed there. It does add a wrinkle though, in contracts and the Canucks are up to 47 contracts. You're allowed to have 50. So that does limit the amount of players that they're allowed to have on their roster. But other than this, this is a pretty inconsequential move. Uh, he's likely probably going to slot in on the third or fourth line, maybe get some power play time. I don't know exactly how the lines are going to shake up. We will get lineups, you know, tomorrow though, the Canucks will probably have a morning skate. We'll probably get lines tweeted out at us. Uh, so we'll have lots of good stuff to talk about, uh, before the game tomorrow, during the game tomorrow, uh, as the Canucks get their regular season started off. 
Um, the other big news for the Vancouver Canucks, and probably the actually one thing I do want to touch on from the Shiaison signing uh, is what this does to Zach McEwen. Uh, Zach McEwen was somehow still with the squad, not put through waivers. This one was kind of surprising to me because Jonah Gadjevich went through waivers a few days ago and he got claimed by San Jose. Uh, and we'll talk about that shortly here. But Zach McEwen was still with the team. And this was kind of surprising to me because I didn't think Zach McEwen had a good preseason. I thought Zach McEwen was very meh out there. He had that one fight with Cassian, which I think bumped his stock in the coach's eyes. But I thought McEwen was pretty meh. I thought that um, there were players that had outplayed him, like Will Lockwood, for example, Jonah Gadjevich, for example. But McEwen still sort of had a spot here on this opening night roster. Phil DiGiuseppe, I think, outplayed him as well. And now with the Shiaison signing, McEwen finally gets put through waivers. Now, we'll know by 11 a.m. Pacific tomorrow whether or not he gets claimed. I highly doubt it. Uh, teams have basically had to finalize their opening night roster. They're not going to go out and mess their entire roster up to pick up a guy like Zach McEwen, who is probably going to have a minimal impact on their team. Uh, Fangirl giving me an update saying that Clay's on his way. He'll be on. Perfect. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. As we get to our next topic, as I'm going to hit all of the big ones, we'll, what we'll do when Clay comes back is we'll quick hit him with all four of these topics that we go over, get his quick two-second thoughts, and move on. Let's go over to Jonah Gadjevich. Jonah Gadjevich, Vancouver Canucks draft pick. Let me pull up his stats here. Uh, if I can spell his name right. Uh, he was drafted in 2017, 55th overall, second round pick, basically drafted after Cole Lind in the same round. Uh, played one NHL game with the Vancouver Canucks last year. And I think I made a video, if I'm not mistaken. I'm gonna I'm just gonna find it here. Gadjevich. Um, he played his one game basically on May 16th, it looks like. Uh, and I remember this was a time where I was pushing really hard for um, Jonah Gadjevich to get ice time because my thought was, look, he is going to be waiver eligible next season, which is this season now. And, and that is what happened. Uh, but if you want to know what you have, this is the time to do it. Last season when COVID had just hit the team, you have all these empty roster spots and uh, you have a real chance to try some guys out. So Jonah Gadjevich was sort of the man child, as he was called in junior uh, really good numbers. You know, the year he got drafted, he had 74 points uh, for the Owen Sound attack. Kind of regressed the year after, didn't do much better uh, in his draft uh, plus one year. Then he went to the Utica Comets, played two seasons where he averaged about 10 to 15 points per 40 games uh, in those first two seasons. But then in the 2020-2021 shortened AHL season, so last year before he got called up to the Canucks, he just couldn't stop scoring. He played 19 games. He had 15 goals and all of them, almost all of them were him two feet planted in front of the net, smacking home rebounds, firing home quick passes. Jonah Gadjevich was an absolute stud at the net front. His one downside was his skating. Jonah Gadjevich was not a good skater. So what did he do all off season for the last five months? He skated. He worked on his skating. That's all he did. And he became a decent skater to the point where that was no longer a real liability for the team uh, and for him. But unfortunately uh, the Canucks didn't think he had earned a spot on this roster. And now that he is old enough at the age of 23, uh, just today is his 23rd birthday actually. So happy birthday, Jonah. 
Um, but of, unfortunately, uh, he had to get uh, claimed. We'll pick up Canuck Clay here live uh, as we go. How are you doing, Clay? Hi, Parker. And hello, everyone. I'm sorry. The one day I'm, I'm just completely disheveled. Perfume listening is not going to sound good, but the one day where I have to get home in time and we play against the slowest <laughs> team in the league. <laughs> <laughs> That's but very unfortunate. I was listening safely. I don't even have my earbuds in, so hopefully, Parker, you can you can work audio magic later. It's okay. Absolutely, it'll be fine. Okay. So um, I heard what you said about you, Levy. I heard what you said about Chason. I do care, and I heard what you said about Gadjevich. So I'm ready. I'm ready. Catch me up. Let's go. All right, well, let's finish off this Jonah Gadjevich topic then. I want your thoughts. Uh, did the Canucks make a mistake letting Jonah Gadjevich go through the waiver protocol, leaving guys like Zach McEwen, Alex Shigeson on the roster? Um, McEwen getting waived today, obviously, but they could have held on to him if they had waived a guy like McEwen or uh, maybe not save that spot for Shigeson. What are your thoughts on that? To me, Parker, Gadjevich is of the same mold as McEwen. There's there's something tantalizing there. Is Decent uh, size, of course, some toughness, maybe a bit of a offensive flair, but uh, just as Travis Green, I feel, has kind of run out of patience with Zach McEwen, and that's not a, it's nothing horrible. It's just, I, I think Green just wants to try other guys. I think he'd rather see a Lockwood in his lineup as opposed to a Gadjevich. So I'm not sure if that's what you said already, but I, I just think there are guys that can do what Gadjevich does that Green likes more. So I think that's why he was on waivers. Yeah. And I think the big thing is, this isn't a real make or break sort of thing. Uh, it sucks that uh, a Canucks draft pick uh, didn't make the the main squad. He might have had some potential, but if you think about what his long-term potential was, it was probably an energy fourth liner who would go mix it up every night, uh, a la Zach McEwen from two years ago. Yeah. Um, but those guys kind of grow on trees, right? You can go out and you can get more of them. You can go out and sign Phil Giuseppe. You can go out and sign all of these other guys, you can go and sign Alex Chieson. You can, you can find people at his caliber pretty easily in the NHL. It just sucks when, uh, when they put that time into developing him and sort of trying to build up some hype around him. Uh, and he only ever gets to play one game where he did accrue 17 penalty minutes for the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks in five minutes of action. That's a pretty good ratio. And it's, isn't it funny, Parker? I know you, you hinted at Abbotsford, how we weren't impressed with Chieson, but we were impressed with both Lockwood and Gadjevich on that day. And Lockwood's mm -hmm. still with the team, obviously, but Gadjevich isn't. So maybe we'll have to put all our hopes in Lockwood then from that one day. Absolutely. Um, okay. I Now that you're back, I want to quick hit the topics we already went over. I want your quick thoughts on each one. Ole Ulevi traded uh, over to the Florida Panthers for Noah Juleson and Juho Lamico. What are your thoughts there? Firstly, I was embarrassed. I did a vlog about the lineup and I, I think I messed up Lamico's name about eight different ways and eight different times. So I'm glad that you say it with such precision. <laughs> That's I could learn from you. Overall, the fact that we got something from your levy, I think is really good, especially if Lamico works out to be in the absence of Sutter and Mott, a, a good, solid, reliable fourth liner. I did hear you say that perhaps, you know, once guys get healthy, he's the one that gets sent down. And that's fair. I, I would agree with you there. But for now, you know, as a stopgap, as a guy who you can actually put on the penalty kill and a guy who brings energy, I'm actually fine with that. I don't know a lot about uh, Juleson, admittedly, aside from that he's from here and around the same age. But I, I think with the emergence of Jack Rathbone, as much as you and I like Rathbone, the writing was on the wall because in young guys on the left side, there's Hughes and Rathbone ahead of Yulevi. On old guys on the left side, Ekman Larson's here for another six years, right? Like it or not. So there was simply no spot for Yulevi on that left side. He's not going to unseat any of those three. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like this comment from Rome saying Clay really stands smealed those names. It was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I like your thoughts on that. Moving on. Uh, Jason, you said you do care. Let's. I do uh, care. Um, only because. Negative in between. Well, didn't he play either all seven or six of the seven preseason games? I think six of and, them. Yeah. Yeah. And if Besser is, I, I hope not, man, but if Besser is out for any longer period of time than one or two games, Green likes Chase on in front of the net and the power play. JT Miller talks about all the little things that Chase on does that veteran, that other maybe people like fans don't pick up on and other young players don't. So he seems like one of those guys, Parker, who is really good in the room and people really gravitate towards him as a, a veteran. You respect him. We might not think he's as flashy as a, a Bester or Colson or Hoglander, but I think those are the kind of guys that Green likes too, for better or for worse. So I'm willing to give him a shot. And if he sticks around on the team when Bester comes back, does he unseat a guy like, uh, well, I don't know, Highmore or or Lacamo on the on the on the fourth line? Right? I don't know. Yeah, definitely interesting to see. And, and he sort of seems to be a power play specialist at this point, uh, where he doesn't do much else. Um, but we'll, you know, the Canucks, you know, yeah, if if Besser is out, uh, it's a low risk, basically no risk signing. All it eats up is a contract spot. If they need to waive him, send him down to the minors. They can basically no consequence. Uh, to the team's salary cap situation. Yep, absolutely. And uh, I, I like, uh, I, I told you this, and we kind of joked around about last week. I like Patan more than Chason, but uh, I think Chason's a bit bigger and a, a more of a solid player, maybe net front on the power play, if that's what they're looking for. Although I think Patan can p- kill penalties, right? And Chason doesn't? Potentially, that sounds right. Okay. <laughs> but Patan was the extra forward, eh? At the, I just said, eh. How Canadian can I be? I, Patan was the extra forward today, the 13th forward. So looks like he's the odd man out tomorrow if Besser doesn't play as well. Right. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Let's go to our next topic. And that is going to be that the Canucks basically announced the roster. Opening night roster had to get announced. And things kind of changed because after they put out that roster, they went out, they signed Chase on, they <laughs> waived Zach McEwen. Now, from what I understood was that you can't make, I thought the roster got frozen, um, but it seems that it didn't. Cause I was listening to the van cast and they're like, yeah, well basically you can't sign chase on till like Wednesday night after the game. Uh, but then they, they just went and did it anyways and, and waved Zach McEwen. So um, the roster is basically set though. We've got, looks like 13 forwards, eight D men, two goalies, kind of what we expected. Uh, but there are some names that aren't there guys on IR like uh, Brock Besser, the main one. Uh, Brandon Sutter's not on that list. We'll get to that later. Um, looking at this roster, are you scared for Wednesday night? Uh, maybe a bit because of the opponent in McDavid and Dreisaitl. It's weird, Parker. You and I have been talking about for the longest time. Oh, man, the top nine looks so good. Oh, this the forwards are so much better. Our bottom six doesn't look so good, does it? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's, in, it's in a bit of trouble, right? I mean, you have... You know, you're going to have guys like Highmore, Lamico, uh, Lamico, who we haven't seen anything of. Pod Colson is going to be maybe on that fourth line from what we've seen so far. You're going to have to have Nick Patan in there. Uh, there are a lot of names that you're going to have to kind of throw in there. Yeah. Uh, Justin Dowling is on is on this list of a guy who made the team. Yep. Um, he might be the 13th, but he also might not. Hi, someone like Highmore could be the 13th. Um, so definitely, uh, the, the four groups looking a little bit shaky with big names in Mott Sutter and Besser out of the lineup. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. Those are three 
top 12 guys, obviously best are a top liner. So you have those three guys out. Then in their place, you have Chase on probably Dowling and probably, uh, I think I called him Lacamo, Lamico. See, I just messed it up again. <laughs> but what's crazy though is, um, you know how we t- talk about this top nine that included Pod Colson? It looks like Pod Colson skating on the fourth line with mm-hmm. Dowling and with Lamico. And then you have Highmore and Hoglander, the two H's with Dickinson as your third line. I would love to see Pod Colson up there, but maybe they don't want Dickinson with two young guys. I don't know. Yeah, could be the case. And then we get to the defensive side. Uh, and and sort of the names that we expected to see here. I don't think anyone's missing from the list. Am I crazy? No, you, it's right on. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Kyle Burrows making the opening night roster, uh, I would assume, as sort of the eighth D-man. Yeah. Um, and then that leaves your starters as probably uh, you have Oliver ekman Larson, you have Quinn Hughes, you have Tyler Myers, you have Tucker, Tucker Pullman. Those are the the obvious ones, but then you know you have Kyle Burrows, you have Brad Hunt, and you have Jack Rathbone, and you have Luke Shen. So, what if if you have to put two of them in the press box tomorrow night? Which two are you sitting out? I want Rathbone and Shen to play, so I want Hunt and Burrows in the press box. But the way they've practiced the last two days, Parkers, we've joked around about this real reliable <laughs> low maintenance third pairing of hunt and shen and that's the way they practice so it could mm-hmm. be rathbone it could be rathbone and burls on the outside looking in tomorrow which i don't like i like what rathbone brings and they he played all seven preseason games but i don't know maybe me or maybe they just want to see what hunt and shen look like and they're gonna put rathbone in i don't know but it looks like if they play all they practice that it's rathbone and burls in the press box tomorrow yeah i wonder if that's from them looking at the opponent right looking uh, yeah. at edmonton and saying uh, look, we're, we were not too concerned about offense, right? Because we are going to be going up against Duncan Keith and Cody CC, uh, and we are going to be able to score goals, um, yeah. and thinking, okay, well, maybe we'll put out hunt and Shen who we can at least trust as veterans. But I mean, do you want hunt and Shen out there against Connor McDavid? I, I, I don't think so. Um, so it, it's definitely a balance. You have to strike of, you have these two sort of stay at home, reliable guys, but it's not like they're great, right? They're not Mark Edward Vlasic from from four years ago, right? They're <laughs> they're they're Shen and and Hunt, right? They're not they're not stars. There's a reason that they're basically six, seven, eight uh, D men in the NHL. So um, I can see where they're coming from, and, and especially you know we do have back to back games coming up. Uh, you know, games two and three are back to backs on Friday and Saturday. So maybe we'll see some juggling, especially if they happen to lose either Wednesday nights or Friday nights game, then I'm sure you start to see, especially let's say they lose on Friday, like three to one and yeah. there's like no shots generated. Well, then you probably see Jack Rathbone in the lineup uh, and you start to see things get mixed up a bit there. That is a great point. I didn't even think of that. They have three games in four nights in three different cities, right? All on the road. So yeah, that's a really good point, Parker. Just like we might see Demko, Demko, Halak in that order, right? Or Demko, Halak, Demko. Regardless, I think it, Halak and Demko are splitting those two on the weekend. Yeah, you might see uh, some combination of defensemen. You might see Besser not play tomorrow, but then draw in on Friday or Saturday. So, yeah, if I was a betting man, I'd say we might not see the same lineup for any of those three games, right? You never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. However, I guarantee you if they win tomorrow, nothing changes. <laughs> Yeah, best you could be ready, but no, sorry, man. You got to wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that is interesting to see, though, if if Besser will be in. And let's go to that as our next topic. Brock Besser 
is on injured reserve. However, it's retroactive to like late September. So he's well past the threshold for being able to play games. So do we see Brock Besser tomorrow night? Do we wait until Friday, Saturday? Is it a week? Is it two weeks? We don't have a lot of information other than he has not been ruled out yet. Yeah. And Jim Benning says day to day. So obviously we kind of get our hopes up day to day means it could be today. It could be the next day as opposed to saying, Oh, he's gone for two weeks or he's gone for a week. You're right. They put him on retroactive September 29th. So he's technically he's off on October 6th, which happens to be, is that tomorrow? No, by the way around no, a week he, ago. Yeah. He's been off for a long time. What yeah, am I talking good. about? So, um, why do they do that? Do they save some money when he's on? I don't get it. Uh, I think it's just a roster spot if you're okay. on an IR, right? Oh, right, 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 right. That way they could dress uh, just in case he can't dress tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The fact that he hasn't skated with the big group, Parker, if if as much as I want him in, just as much as I want Rathbone in, if I had to bet, I guess that he doesn't play tomorrow and then he plays Friday or Saturday. It just, uh, what? because why wouldn't you want him skating with his line mates, right? You just reunited Miller with Pedersen. Wouldn't be cool to see Bester on the right side. So absolutely, I, I would love it if it was a, one of those nice surprises where he feels great tomorrow morning on a game day skate, and then half an hour before the game, we see the lineups tweeted out by the Canucks, and and he's on there. But uh, my gut feeling is no. But you never know. I'd love to be surprised tomorrow. How about you? Yeah, and that's, that's something we should know pretty early in the day, right? I would yeah. assume that they're doing a morning skate tomorrow uh, in Edmonton, so we'll we'll likely get line rushes from media on site. Uh, so hopefully we'll see like bachelor Drance giving us lines and we'll see, you know, is Besser skating with Pedersen and Miller or is he skating with Justin Dowling on sort of like a, a fifth unit? Uh, and that'll be, that'll be, uh, definitely something to, to keep track of. Yeah. Fifth line of Rathbone, Besser and Dowling. It'll be awesome. <laughs> yes. Just skill. Um, let's keep going with, uh, with people who are out and that is Brandon Sutter. Uh, and this is unfortunate. Uh, basically we had heard, um, fatigue was the, the cited term that we kept getting, uh, regarding Brandon Sutter. Uh, and then Jim Benning says, uh, that he is experiencing long haul, long haul COVID symptoms, uh, and that he's not going to be back anytime soon. Um, I saw some anecdotal, you know, conversations from people online, like on Reddit of people saying like, yeah, I had it too. And some days you feel absolutely fine, you know, like four months after having it. And the next day your lungs hurt after going up a flight of stairs. Oh. Uh, and it's, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you don't know how long it's going to take, right. Um, yeah. Whether it's, you know, it could be two weeks from now. He feels great. It could be three months from now. Uh, and that's a big hole for the Canucks to fill, right? We we've joked about Brandon Sutter in the past being, you know, this foundational player and <laughs> uh, making $4 million a year, but that's not him anymore, right? He is a bona fide fourth line center uh, that this team kind of needs and, and, you know, probably one of the reasons they went out and pushed for, uh, Joe who Lamico, uh, in that trade with Florida, um, just an unfortunate situation. Have you heard of that term long haul before when it comes I, to COVID? I have a little bit, um, okay. but not, not usually around hockey, right? I mean, we had Marco Rossi for the Minnesota wild, uh, who caught COVID and was out for the entire year, had to go back to Europe and basically just take the entire last season off. Although he's back now. Mm. Uh, so yeah, just unlucky, uh, for Brandon Sutter. Yeah. I'd never heard of this. Uh, I, I kind of quickly figured out what it meant. Yeah. And at this point, honestly, as much as he would help a penalty kill and he's good in the face off circle, you just care for him as a, as a, as a person, as a husband, mm. as a father, because you, you just don't know. We, we don't know. Well, actually I should say some of you out there who've unfortunately had COVID, you do know what the Canucks 
went through last year. I, I haven't had it, thank God, but uh, I can only imagine what it's like. So I, I'm sure Sutter, as much as he loved to play hockey, I think he just wants to be healthy for, for yeah. his family first. And it's really, really unfortunate. So it's kind of like one of those things, man, when, when, it, when he comes back, we'll welcome him with open arms. We'll, we'll take his very efficient contract of just over a million dollars for a year. But um, until then, what can you do? You, you find guys to, to plug in and you hope that he, he recovers really quickly because it's very scary if this is remnants of something he caught at some time in the past few months. That's, that is scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're thinking, you're talking about like April, right? Yes. When, they, when that, like, that's all, that's almost six months ago uh-huh. uh, and he's still battling it uh, to this day. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple other quick Canucks topics uh, while we go here, while we still have you on the line, uh, we'll go to the time uh, when they have to leave early too. Yeah. He's got to leave a little bit early. So I'll be wrapping up the show too, but that's okay. Um, uh, so we had some, some waiver news uh, and, and some guys that these are basically names that didn't make the team, right? Madison Bowie. I think we expected that. Yep. Uh, Justin Bailey, not super surprising, unlucky for him. Right. I mean, he never really got a chance to work with the team. Yep. He had that positive COVID test when he tried to cross the border in like right before training camps, we missed most of training camp. Uh, so he'll go to Abbotsford and, and get some playing time and he'll be one of the early call-ups I would assume. Um, and then some of the more surprising names, uh, Phil D Giuseppe actually impressed a lot of people. And lots of people were upset that he didn't, uh, didn't make the team. However, he did clear waivers. And Travis Hamannick, the other big one, uh, not going to be with the team opening night, uh, being sent down to Abbotsford as well. Yeah, let's do DJ See, I can't say these names. Let's do DJ Seppi first, and then we can talk about Hamannick. The DJ Seppi one was interesting because I went to the game on Saturday, the last preseason game, and he looked good, man. He scored the the one of the two Canucks goals. He was aggressive on the boards. He won a lot of races to the to the puck. And I said, there's no way this guy is going to not make the team there's just no way he was he's outplayed McEwen, highmore all those guys and then yeah the next day we find out he's on waivers and honestly parker i don't know about you i know you're away but i'm sure you're following the news i thought he would get claimed for sure yeah it was it was interesting because i i I mean you see all these it's one of those things where there's so many guys on waivers that you know teams have so much uh prioritizing to do right especially if you're later in the waiver priorities you might be like okay well we're putting in a claim on this one guy so we can't put a claim on this guy because if we claim two guys, then we're going to have too many spots filled or something like that, right? So yeah. Um, do you remember when we talked about that at the start of the summer? We were joking around about if they have to uh, waiver Ulevi that they're going to try and bury him with a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's what they tried to do with Gadjevich, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they waived him on a day that there was like 100 people on waivers. Uh, and it didn't matter. He was the one guy that day who got claimed, which is crazy. Colin was on waivers the same day. Uh, yes. And, and Gadjevich uh, was the one that didn't get through. Yeah, so um, I think Di Giuseppe, McEwen, Lockwood, those are the kind of guys that will... Remember, we have one healthy forward extra. We have 13 forwards, but I think those are kind of first call-up type of guys. I would not be surprised to see Di Giuseppe get some games with the big club this year. Mm-hmm. The yeah. thing is, if this team is if this team's healthy, then there's not a lot of spots, right? True. Because we're, we're talking about these guys who weren't able to make the team with... Sutter out with Mod out ah. with Besser out, right? There's three three roster spots that are going to push these guys down even further. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was surprised to see someone like DiGiuseppe get waved ahead of Zach McEwen. Yeah. Um, because like we've said, Zach McEwen just does hasn't looked the same as he did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger one uh is the Travis Hamannick one. And uh we don't want to you know speculate or anything. We've heard, you know, uh it's a family matter that we don't need to get too far into. Um, however, 
it has impacts on the team, right? Uh, yeah. The Canucks are now out of a defenseman uh, who uh, is going to be eating up about 1.875 million of the cap while he's in Abbotsford. Um, you know, j- just a, another sort of lost, uh, pl- lost body. You know, the Canucks are kind of four guys short going into opening night already. <laughs> That's right. And I'm glad you brought up that number, Parker, because uh, as we know, or as, as we've learned, the maximum you can put in Abbotsford is 1.125. So that's why we're still on the hook for 1.875 against our cap. It's the worst case scenario, as we talked about last week, is we, well, I guess the worst case scenario is $3 million. So we still have 1.875 against our cap for a guy who's supposed to be in our top four playing with our best defenseman who's not even playing. So, you know, there's there's hope that Jim, Jim Benning has hope that he's going to report to Abbotsford eventually on so he can come up so yes it's not i I think we can we can talk openly as adults without and not be salacious in our in our gossiping but we can say as others have said you know if it was mental health or or family or whatever then there's ways that you could work work with that but even the way jim benny talks he'll get there eventually my may this is just my guess is that he will, or he has been vaccinated, but he hasn't been cleared yet. So maybe that's why it's going to take a few months, or maybe they're trying to convince him to, if that's the case. I, again, I just started speculating, but if it's family or, or anything else like that, then uh, I think there's other ways to do it. Just a thought, just a thought. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We are, we have 20 minutes left in the show. You're here for what? 10 more minutes. Yeah. I have to leave right at 10 51. 10 51. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you probably didn't come with a haiku then. Did you? Uh, we'll make one up on the, a uh, very slow team I played against tonight, and I'm really mad I lost there. That's... Perfect, great haiku. Thank you. Thank um, you. My haiku is a is a little bit more romantic about okay, the season starting. Um, I just want you to imagine, maybe open your window, take a look outside. Um, yellow and red leaves, rain and a cold ten degrees, signal season's eve. As uh, yeah, the NHL season. Uh, I mean, this NHL season starts tonight, but the Canucks obviously play tomorrow. Uh, speaking of, wow, one thing that we haven't uh, pushed in a little bit is making your season predictions. It's linked in the description. Uh, mm. It's a thing that we've done uh, a couple of weeks ago, where you can sort of submit your predictions for the Canucks team this year. There's about 70 people who have submitted your predictions already. Wow. There's two things that you won't be able to get points for, and that's the Pedersen and Hughes contracts. Um, because those have already been announced, but yep. the rest of them you can try to get points for. Winner will get a prize at the end of the season. So after the show, click that link, enter all your predictions, and join us in. By the that. way, did anyone come close, uh, Parker, on that Pedersen and Hughes contract question? I haven't looked yet. Okay, I just wanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of other Canucks-related things. Let's go into our plans coming up here. There's a couple other things that I want to talk about. I don't think we care about the TD helmet sponsorship all that much. Um, it's my home green. bank but it's that's all. very square i don't love it but whatever <laughs> um but the big one is what is coming up for us this week obviously we don't have canucks after dark again until monday but there is something more fun going on and that is your 24 hour live stream coming up in a handful of days and my post game shows kicking off this week so why don't you push your live stream a little bit and tell people what's going on Sure. Um, thank you, Parker. Yes, I've planned this for about two months now, and I can't believe it's uh I almost 
got scared, Parker, because you were away and I had a bunch of tech questions, but I figured it out. I think I say that now. Watch. It's going to blow up. My computer's going to blow up after an hour. But yes, this Friday um, from 7 p.m. to Saturday at 7 p.m., I'm going to try and stream for 24 hours without sleeping. So I have a few guests lined up, some bigger names, some smaller names. Parker, I'll message you a bit later. And then um, you can set up a big name if you want. That's fine. Some family Thanks. contests, some prizes, some giveaways. Uh, Marie's coming in to do a concert. So it's a it's a way for me to continue to build community on YouTube and just celebrate the start of a season uh, after a dog's breakfast of a season last last year. So uh, looking forward to it. It's a It fell in the fact that they are playing two games right away on the road uh, so I won't be going to and I uh, no work commitments I just said why not so that's basically um, I'm gonna release on Thursday some of the guests not all just so people can start planning their weekend if and believe it or not I do have guests coming through the middle of the night they and they chose those times I don't know what's wrong with them but I'm certainly grateful that way you're not staring at me trying to stay awake for six hours from midnight to six so uh yeah, I'm very excited. I, I just chance to do something different. So thank you for giving me the chance to to share that. Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Uh, and for myself, uh, we're got we've got live post game shows after all three of these Canucks game awesome. com games coming out this week. And if you don't know what the games are, tomorrow, 7 p.m., the season opener, Canucks in Edmonton at the Edmonton Oilers. Make your prediction: Are the Canucks going one and zero to start the season? Are you asking me right now? Yes. Absolutely, yes. And they're going to win 4-2 because that's the only score I always guess. 4-2. <laughs> I'm going to go 6-4. We're going high scoring, bad goaltending all around, bad defense. Uh, I'm taking the over. I uh, love it. And then the rest of the games, like you mentioned, Friday, 4 p.m. against the Flyers in Philadelphia. I'll be doing a post-game show right after, and then that'll lead into Clay's 24-hour live stream uh, at around the same time. So that's going to be a lot of good content for you guys. And then Saturday, the back-to-back -back, 4 PM against the Red Wings. A nice little afternoon game mm -hmm. here in Vancouver, uh, as hopefully the Canucks can get out to a hot start this season. Yeah, no, I think it, it's great, Parker. It's great that we can collab on stuff like this together at least once a week and that you put up with me mailing it in today by showing up late and leaving early. But yes, the fact that you can stream tomorrow after the game and we can all come to your live stream. And then I, while, while I have you on, also Marie's coming over. So we're recording our next song. I'm so excited. Uh, the first time together in two years to do a Canucks parody, which is pretty cool. Then on Friday, start after the game, go to Parker's right away. Then as that's ending, come over to see me and see if I can stay awake. And then Saturday is the one time where we're both going at the same time, but whatever, we'll, we'll survive. And then uh, after that, it's Canucks After Dark again on Sunday. It's pretty cool. Monday. Monday, because yeah. I have completely no clue what's going on tonight. Thank you. You scared me. <laughs> I will not be there if it's on Sunday. Actually, I could, but Monday. Uh, anyways, yeah. So we got lots of exciting stuff coming up for you guys. And before you go, uh, you missed the game, but the Seattle Kraken are in eighth place in the Pacific Division. Yes. I was. Wait, did they? What was the final score? Uh, it was three, three, two, four, three, four, three. So they were down three nothing and came back, right? They were down three nothing. They okay. came back. They showed a stat on the screen that said Vegas is like ninety and zero and ninety zero and one went up by three goals in a game or something like that, uh, and they held on to this one. Yeah, they're up three nothing. Kraken scored three. They answered with one late, and this was what I was hoping for. I hate cheering for Vegas, but I'm already in strategy mode, right? If you're looking at the Vancouver Canucks, you want the Canucks to make the playoffs. Look, 
Vegas yep. is making the playoffs, right? Yep. Vegas is going to be right at the top of the Pacific division. Yep. So we wanted Seattle to lose in regulation and we get the result we wanted. Uh, so the Canucks are not in last place in the Pacific division. They are tied for second with zero points uh, and they'll take on the Oilers tomorrow. And was it in regulation? Yes. Oh, thank goodness. So for those of you and you no, know, without, uh, yeah, without dumbing it down or, or without presuming that people know stuff, because when it's two teams playing in our division, you guys just hope that it doesn't go to overtime because that mm-hmm. means that you're handing out three points instead of the traditional two. And those points are very important when it comes to the end of the season. So no matter who wins right now, early in the season, yeah, we just don't want any of the Pacific versus Pacific games going to extra time. Absolutely. All right. With that, let's get into the Q&A segment. You have two minutes left. We, you'll get here for one question. And then if you guys have any questions for just me, I'll answer a few before we wrap up. You and see by the way, in the chat, Parker? I mean, in our, on our stream right now? Yeah, we're at over 100 people. Thank you guys very much for hanging out. If you missed any part of the show, by the way, you can find it on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, even if you listen to the whole thing, go listen to it again on a podcast. It helps us out. Uh, or you can just rewind back to the beginning of the youtube video um but yeah let's uh let's get some questions here um trivia question from lucas for you do you know who scored the first goal in kraken history since you weren't watching um i'm going with uh geeky it was ryan donato ah um who scores the first goal for the vancouver canucks this season i'm going with geeky um you know I, I'm going with Connor Garland starting. Yep. Good impression. Connor Garland. Interesting. You? I'm going Oliver Ekman Larson. Ooh, so we both pick coyotes or ex coyotes. Yeah, maybe a random point shot sneaking through or something like that. Uh that would be good. <laughs> Matthew, I was here for longer than 15 minutes. I was here for exactly 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great comment from Matthew saying, good to see you for a solid 15 minutes of content, quality over quantity. But that is Absolutely. true. Quality over quantity in everything, in, in food and friendships. Yes, everything. <laughs> um, and this is a fun last one for you from Sharms. How many games until Pod Colson scores? Which game will he score his first goal? Game number three in Detroit. All right. I'm going to go game number four. Don't know what it is, but yep. that's going to be my guess. Awesome. All right. You can find Clay at Canuck Clay on Twitter, uh, Canuck Clay on YouTube. Go do that. Uh, subscribe to him. Subscribe to my channel. We'll do another 10 minutes of questions. We'll wrap up the podcast here um, after that. Clay, thank you for swinging by. It's like I'm a guest on my own podcast. <laughs> you kind of are today. Yep. <laughs> thank you, Parker. Good luck tomorrow. I'll be I'll be tuning in for a bit and I'll message you about the weekend. Sounds good. Talk. So to we're you doing later. all the background stuff like right in front of everyone. So we'll talk to you later. <laughs> bye thanks a lot okay thanks oh i cut him off a little bit early my bad uh but let's go back into some other questions um let's take a look at some of these um cody asking road trip record predictions the canucks starting off in a six game road trip i believe uh or is it seven um either way i think it's six um monty's saying one five and one i'm not going to go that negative let's see who they're playing they're playing edmonton i think that game is probably a bit of a toss-up so i'm going to say the canucks win in edmonton they lose in philadelphia they win in detroit they win in buffalo and then they lose in overtime in chicago and then win in seattle i'm going to say the canucks go three two and one 
or four, one and one, whichever I said, I'm going to go three, two and one road trip for the Canucks. They'll be right around the 500 mark, uh, which will be a, an okay start to the season, especially getting road games out of the way. And I think this road trip is actually going to be really good for the team. Uh, Travis Green mentioned it. It's going to help them sort of bond. It's a bunch of new guys that haven't played with each other uh, and having them basically go on the road for six games for two weeks, uh, meet up, uh, get everything, you know, get bonded, get chemistry out on the ice could be really good for the team. Uh, what else do we have here? Agam saying, is this a potential make or break road trip? Everything is potential make or break. Look, if the Canucks go six and oh, then yeah, like this, then we're saying, all right, this team is here. If the Canucks go oh and six, then we're panicking. Or they go one and five, we're panicking. However, if they go two and four or four and two or three and three uh, or one, one and four, then there's no, like, we're not panicking yet, right? It's, uh, it would be unfortunate. But it, nothing's make or break this early in the season. It's a long season, 82 games. It's not 56 this year. Uh, so it could be make or break if they really do terribly. Uh, but I don't uh, I don't really see that coming. Um, Matthew asking, how many goals will Gadget score for the Sharks this year? How many games does he play? I'm sure he'll play most of the games if he's healthy. He'll slot in nicely in their bottom six. Um, and if he gets power play time sitting in front of the net, he could pot, you know, 10, 12 goals or so. My money would be probably around eight or nine. Um, let's see here. Edmund, do you think a bold prediction in uh, Garland leads the Canucks in goals? I doubt it. Uh, I think you're still looking at a guy like Pedersen or Miller taking that role or Brock Besser is sort of the obvious one. Um, I think if you just look at the odds, the odds are low because there's a lot of guys he's competing with, but I wouldn't be too surprised uh, if he goes out and scores, you know, 30, 35 goals and is at least in the conversation. Um, Monty's going to Canucks and Oilers on the 30th. That is nice. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Time for hockey asking time for hockey asking. Does Juho Lamico fight? Uh, if so, why are people mad about McEwen, be, McEwen being waived? I don't know if he fights. I'm looking at sort of his penalty minute numbers and they seem pretty low looking at his AHL numbers, you know, about a penalty minute every two games or so. So probably not much of a fighter. Um, you can usually tell if you see odd numbers, uh, but he only had 10 penalty minutes in 44 games last year. I don't think he's much of a fighter. I don't think you need fighters in your in your roster, right? Like they like having a guy like McEwen um, in case it needs to happen. Uh, but I mean, fights are so much less common in the NHL nowadays, right? You probably only see maybe a handful for each team every year now. So it's not like you need a guy in your lineup every night who can go out and, uh, and throw hands if you have to. Usually if there's going to be a fight that needs to happen, Lots of the times you know about it in advance. Uh, like, for example, when Mike Matheson injured Elias Pettersson, you knew two months in advance that they were going to fight, that there was going to be a fight next time they met up. So then, yeah, you can call someone up, put someone in the lineup if need be. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, uh, he's not going to be a fighter, and I'm not too uh, too concerned about that. Uh, Agam saying, do you think we won the Yule Levy trade? I think the Canucks made the best out of a bad situation that they kind of put themselves in. Uh, I think... It's kind of a win for both teams. Uh, Florida gets rid of two guys that weren't going to have a real spot in their roster. The Canucks add some depth and Florida gets a chance to try to develop Yule Levy into a solid, maybe five, six defensemen to help them in the future. Uh, I think Yule Levy's time was just done with the team. The Canucks went out, they got something for him. I think it's sort of uh, one of those best of both worlds trades a la Hannah Montana. Um, Hope asking if I'll be doing marbles this year, potentially probably not on the post game shows, but maybe if we do some other streams, 
throughout the year. By the way, you can uh, subscribe to me at Parker's Pucks on YouTube. We'll take a couple more questions here um, as we go. Uh, Tiger saying Shayson has fought as much as McHugh and it's a non-factor really. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's that big of a deal, right? It's, it's a whole different game nowadays. Speed and skill matter a lot more than physicality than they used to. Um, so, you know, you can have big guys on your team, uh, but if they can't play, they can't play. Um, let's see here. Uh, Lucas asking, who do I hate more Seattle or Vegas? Now, both it de- it really depends on how Seattle does this year. I really dislike Vegas because they have just been successful their entire existence, which you know is kind of sad for us. Uh, and then, but Seattle's this new geographical rival. So right now it's Vegas. However, I could definitely see it becoming Seattle over the course of years and years of rivalry, especially if we get some playoff mashups. Uh, that is when you'll start to see the hatred flow. And by the way, guys, leave a like here on the podcast uh, on the video here. It helps us out. Um, lots of people asking about what my ideal lines are for tomorrow. Uh, Ag, I'm asking, you know, what would a starting lineup be for tomorrow? Noah, what are your four lines up for tomorrow? I don't know. This one's tough because I've been away for a week. So I haven't really been, I didn't watch any of the preseason. Really. I watched the first preseason game. I think that's it. Um, and I've kind of been following lines. If we're talking about my ideal, I mean, my ideal, I'm putting, the lotto line together. I want Horvat with Hoaglander and maybe Pearson. Um, and then, you know, you, you put like Dickinson on the third line. Uh, although now I'm thinking Connor Garland's got to be in there somewhere. So maybe you go Horvat, Hoaglander, Garland, and then like Dickinson, Pearson. I don't know. Patan. I don't know. You could, there's so many things you could do. You got to fit Paul Colson in there. I don't know. We will see at about 11 o'clock tomorrow what the lines are. I will probably try to make a preview video tomorrow uh, for the game. We'll talk about the lineup. We'll talk about what we expect to happen. So make sure you're subscribed to my channel for that. Uh, and Edmund asking, how fast do you think Travis Green throws the lines in the blender? Um, it's really going to depend on the start. If the Canucks come out and and have a really hot start and you know they get a few shots on net early, then those lines will stay. If Edmonton comes out hot out of the gates and we get that classic Canucks Twitter scenario where uh, the Canucks tweet game on and then like three minutes later, Oilers score, then the lines will get in the blender really, really quick. Um, all right, Shannon asking, uh, Mr. Start of the stream, is Demko in net tomorrow? I would assume so. Uh, he's going to be the starting goalie for the season. So unless something crazy happened, I'm, I'm assuming Demko gets to start tomorrow. Uh, Friday and Saturday will probably be a split. Uh, so you have Friday in Philadelphia. You have uh, you have Halak uh, maybe playing in uh, Detroit. You could go the other way around. Maybe you want Demko on the primetime game. You want to give him a little bit of extra rest going into that one. Uh, or you want to ride the hot hand. We'll see. So I'm assuming we get Demko Wednesday, and then Demko and Halak will split the Friday-Saturday games. Uh, and Clay, with the last question we'll take here uh, after leaving the show, uh, what letter grade would you give Jim Benning for his off season? I think this has been one of Jim Benning's better off seasons. Um, he's made some risks in the OEL uh, Connor Garland trade. Uh, he went out and signed a lot of depth, which the Canucks have already had to dip into. As we see here, seeing guys like Nick Patan being in the opening night lineup uh, and Lamico and Dowling and Highmore 
which is scary for the team, but the Canucks have more than enough bodies to fill those roles. So I'd say probably around a B. Um, and I think that would be kind of fair. I mean, the Yule Levy trade I thought was just fine. Lots of the stuff he's done is just fine. Passing grade will go B, B minus or so there. And most people in here are saying, Justin saying B, Seattle saying solid B, Fangirl saying solid B, uh, and James saying a B plus. So everyone's sort of on the same page there. Anyways, folks, we're going to wrap it up there. If you want more Canucks content, you know where to find us. I'm at Parker's Pucks on Twitter, Parker's Pucks on YouTube. Clay, who was on the show for a bit, uh, Canuck Clay on YouTube, Canuck Clay on Twitter. You can just search for us. Uh, hit the subscribe button on both of our channels. Hit the subscribe button here on this channel. We're trying to get it up to 1,000 here early on in the season. There's 104 of you in here. Let's bump those numbers up, see if we can get close to maybe 750 for this week. Uh, and then we're trying to get our channels up there too as well. I've got a post-game show live after the Canucks game tomorrow, Wednesday, over on my channel. So come join me there. I hope you had a good evening and the Canucks season starts tomorrow. Get fired up, folks, and I will see you after the game.